On today's Locked on Thunder podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder face a rare must-win game in January. Who do the Thunder match up with the best in the playoffs and more? You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we are diving into your mailbag questions from Twitter and Reddit, but also discussing why today's game is the rare must-win game in January. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at GameTime. Go download the GameTime app, create your account, use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. So I get it. This is a game in early January, and when you take a step back, it's one game out of an 82-game sample size on a random Monday night. When a lot of the world will be preoccupied with the college football title, the sickos will be watching Thunder Wizards, the way God intended, in my opinion. The Thunder have sleptwalked through the last two games against really mediocre teams at best. You can explain away Atlanta, bad travel conditions, back-to-back, a back-to-back on a home road split, a back-to-back after an emotional win, biggest win of the season to date, biggest win that this group collectively has gotten to this point. Again, small sample size. It's only been a year and a half, but still, biggest win to this point, unless you want to count the New Orleans win. Brooklyn was terrible effort on the glass, and, and, and we talked about it on the postgame show, but you know the glass effort wasn't there. It, it was not more so uh, the team construction, which we can talk about all day long. We will talk about in this show. It was not about the team construction as much as it was just pure effort. Dennis Smith Jr., all six, three of them, Got 13 rebounds. Like that cannot happen. And so, you know, while it's frustrating to have that happen on the back of a game where you also didn't play well, it does happen in the NBA. Some nights you just don't have it. So the frustration mounts because it's coming off of a bad game. But still, you know, it is something that every team deals with. However, I think this game in Washington is a must win. It's a must win to prove who you think this team is. It's a must win for morale. It's a must win to not have this start to spiral because the wizards are awful. There is no sugarcoating it. They're six and 29 overall. They have three home wins to their name. So it's not as though they have any sort of record of playing well at home. They're on a four game losing streak. And so we always look at the marquee matchups when it comes to judging a team is like when they play Boston when they play Denver on the road, when they play these top teams. But on the flip side of that, what good teams always do through the history of the NBA is take care of these kind of teams. Take care of when you go play the Wizards, good teams keep losing teams losing. And that's what you have to do in Washington tonight if you're Oklahoma City. You can't play down to your competition. You can't rely on a late rally. You can't sleepwalk and have no effort. Everything is out the window. There's no excuse for tonight. 
You had the excuse of travel in Atlanta and the back-to-back. You had the excuse in, in, in Brooklyn of, hey, these things just happen. But you've had two days off in a row. And you head to a terrible Washington team with a terrible home atmosphere and a Washington team that not only is bad, but they don't even have the semblance of a roster or of players who can check your best players. And so if you truly are this uncommon, mature team for your age, which which Mark has talked about, which Shea has talked about, Kaysen has talked about, if you truly are contenders, which we've talked about, the national media has talked about, fans have talked about, you go win these games. You make a statement right now today of what you're made of and what kind of team you are. You know, these things happen like Brooklyn, but they don't, on good teams, they don't spiral. They don't turn into just a huge back-to-back-to-back. This would, this would be three straight games of awful basketball if you come out and lay an egg in Washington. And, you know, we can look at the late runs that they made against Atlanta and Brooklyn uh, to make the score more respectable. That was laying an egg. That was awful basketball. That was not what we've seen from the Thunder throughout this entire season. And so when you look at this Wizards team, no one can guard SGA. Not a single soul can guard SGA in this Wizards team. Now, it's, it's hard to guard SGA no matter what defender you put in front of them, but there is certainly not one in Washington who should hold SGA in check. There is no one on Washington who should hold Chet Holmgren in check. And there's no one that can stop Jalen Williams in Washington. And that's why those three guys need to be really aggressive tonight. You know, you, if you're, if you're Jada, you've got to, you've got to work on, you know, not waiting until the fourth quarter to take over a game. You know, you have, if you're Jalen Williams, earned the right to take over games much earlier. You know, and even if you want to keep it in, hey, the second and fourth quarter at the very least has to be Jadup. You know, the, the beginning of the second quarter with SG on the bench, the beginning of the fourth quarter with SG on the bench, it has to be all Jadub being ultra aggressive and getting this team buckets. You know, Chet Holmgren has been really good all year. This is a game where you step up in. Whenever your team needs you to to stop a losing streak, when your team needs you to um, head on over and get back on track. It comes down to your big three guys. And, you know, it's easy to be sort of dismissive. The Thunder are 23 and 11. They're third in the West. And even today, right, even today, the NBA.com power rankings have the Thunder as the number one team in the NBA. Now that's, uh, that's heavy lifting by that Boston win, but the number one team in the NBA, according to the NBA.com power rankings. So it's easy to be dismissive of games like Brooklyn, games like Atlanta. But the bottom line is this season is playing out exactly how we've expected it to in the Western Conference. The difference in the Thunder, who by every metric, by every statistic, by every prognosticator in the preseason, by, by everything has far and away outproduced, outperformed their expectation, and by no means has had a bad season. By no, They've done everything right. They've done everything well. They've done everything great. And that's why they're the number one team in the power rankings. And even they only have a two and a half game cushion from them at the three seed and the NBA play in tournament. But that's what we expected in the Western conference all year preseason preseason. We talked about the thin margin of error. And so that's, that's a tough task. That's, that's tough to lay at the feet of the youngest roster in the NBA, but that's life. That's what all the people say, right? You, you have it here where uh, the thunder have outshot expectations. And now we're trying to hold on to that. And with only two and a half game separation, you have to get these gimmies. 
Because when you when you look at the next five games, it's at Miami, it's Portland, who they're awful, right? Portland is bad, but that's the second night of a back-to-back with travel involved. You're heading from Miami uh, back to Oklahoma City to play an awful Portland team, which is not in and of itself going to give you any juice. You're, you're not going to naturally get up for playing Portland. So you've got to create the juice if you're Oklahoma City against Portland. How will this young team do that? Then you play a spunky Magic team. But then guess what? After those two home games, you're heading right back on the road to play the LA back-to-back at Lakers, at Clippers, who are playing fantastic basketball right now. And that's a back-to-back, luckily same building, luckily same city, which is a luxury. Those are two tough teams in back-to-back order. January is going to be tough. January is going to help define this season. And the Thunder have to be up for that challenge. And it starts in games like tonight. There is no excuse. You've had two off days to prepare for Washington. You have the rest advantage, and you have the talent advantage. To get to where this team wants to go, and even if it's even if that's just a top six seed, even if that's just taking a step up from the play-in tournament, forgetting about being a top three or number one seed, even if all the expectation is, is to be a top six team that's safe in the play-in tournament, you still have to win these games. Because you've only gained yourself a two-and-a-half-game a two cushion of the play-in. That's it. And those teams are coming. And those teams have their crack at you. And those teams have uh, you know, talented rosters and everything else. So I'm really interested to see how this all plays out. But if you really do have that uncommon maturity and you really do have that uncommon uh, mindset and mentality, then they'll be able to handle their business in Washington with all the rest that they've needed and the poor matchup that they need you know, in terms of like the poor opponent that they need. So we'll talk more about your mailbag questions. Part two of that coming up on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast. But first, want to tell you right now, but our good friends over at Game Time, folks. I love Game Time. And if you are an NBA fan, you obviously are, you're listening to the show, you're going to love Game Time too, because you can use Lockdown NBA for $20 off your first purchase. And you know, Game Time has everything. They have NBA, NFL, they have all the sport leagues. They also have concerts, movies, comedy shows, whatever you need a ticket to, Game Time is going to be on that for you. But I like to hone in on the NBA side of things because I think that it perfectly encapsulates what Game Time's about. So Game Time gives you the last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. So they have last-minute tickets, they have flash deals, they have zone deals. You're going to find a ton of value for your buck at Game Time. And why I think the NBA is the best is you can look at every injury report. Today, DeLon Wright is questionable against the the Thunder. You can look at every injury report, and there's going to be questionable players. There's going to be uh, injuries. There's going to be things pop up to where it changes the dynamic of the game if you want to go watch it uh, in a moment's notice on the injury report. So with game time, you can wait it out, wait it out, wait it out, and not buy your ticket until you know for sure this is the matchup that you're going to want. So check it out today at game time. You can go there right now and get last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. They have job loss protection, cancellation protection, and the lowest prices guaranteed. Go download the app. When you do, you create your account, and you use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms and conditions apply. That's creating your account, redeeming code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Go download the game time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. 
Going to get into some questions from Reddit and Twitter to wrap up our mailbag podcast that we started out on um, Friday. So we're going to continue it today. The first question, other than Isaiah Stewart and Laurie Marketing, who would be some targets for the Thunder this offseason? Well, I don't think that Laurie Marketing should be a target for the Thunder, you know, in the interim. Offseason, of course, things change. But it, it, from now to the deadline, I, I don't think that Laurie Marketing will be, will be moved. I don't think that he's exactly um, a target that the Thunder should just rush into. Uh, I think in an idealistic world, Laurie Marketing would be a perfect fit for Oklahoma City. But we've seen what he looks like as a as a number one option. We've also seen what he looks like as a number two, three, four option. And they're not the same player, and they're not the same impact. Now, that was one, that was a much different point in Laurie Markkinen's career. It was back whenever he was playing with you know, Cleveland and back whenever he was playing uh, in those kind of structures where he wasn't the number one option. So maybe he's figured it out now. He's He obviously got a lot better in Utah. That's undeniable. But you'd have to be really sure that Laurie Markkinen can fit with the way that you want to play because he has zero shot, absolutely zero shot, of being a number one option. And you can make the strict debate about number two. So uh, adding that to the mix is is an interesting thing to follow and to, and to debate. I think if you had everyone on the same page, it'd be wonderful. But it, it would be throwing something into the mix that if one piece of fabric gets tugged on, it can all unwind. So, uh, so I'm very interested to see kind of the reaction to Lori Marketing. Uh, and, and to this point, Utah has not made any indication that they that they will trade him or are even looking to trade him. And Laurie Markkinen, to his credit, has not made any indication that he wants out. However, that changes on a dime. So it's it's hard to really get into off-season topics when it comes to targets because we just don't know. There, there, there can be an all-star that all of a sudden, you know, right before free agency, wants out. And it changes everything. It changes every plan. It changes everything you believe. It changes all of your targets. And that's why we stay five days a week from now all the way through August and then get right back on it in October. You know, in, in August, we still do three shows a week. Uh, but nonetheless, we stay five days a week year round. And this is why it's because things change. But as of right now, so this current moment, you also have to factor in roster spots being a premium. You know, you saw the roster crunch this year, which is by no means going to be a uh, you know, as competitive as it, as it will be this offseason, where you're drafting a slew of guys again, you are looking to improve your team and all the rest. So like per, per, you know, roster spots are going are to be hard to come by. And you still have to manage your cap for the extension eligible guys who are going to come up in the future. I think that ultimately, as it is for the Thunder historically, the trade route will be the route to go, uh, even in the summertime. But there are some free agents who I think are obtainable that would be interesting for the Thunder. Gordon Hayward is not a flashy name, but I I think that to come play for a team like OKC, it would be a, a contract where it just wouldn't matter and it wouldn't hurt you at all, and you probably wouldn't even notice it, to where uh, I'd be interested to give him a small, small, small contract. Uh, I really like Kelly Olenek. Both, I think he's obtainable now. Like I think you can go trade for him right now, and the Thunder should be in the market to go trade for him right now. But even this offseason, I don't think that his contract would be anything that would hamper you at all, and it would just provide some value for OKC. And then to give you another name that'll be in the free agent market, because you asked specifically about you know going out and getting you know, free agents, so to say, 
uh, Tyus Jones. This Thunder team can still use some help in the facilitation department, in the playmaking department um, for their secondary group. And I think that there's there's nothing better than Tyus Jones on a backup point guard kind of role on a contender. Like We've seen him just dominate in that way, and that can really help bridge the gap for the Thunder in big moments in big spots. And, and it can really help you know, highlight the J-Dub minutes and the Chet minutes whenever SGA's not there. You know, because you know, you're asking a lot of J-Dub to be on the ball. He's comfortable doing so. He's excellent at it uh, and has only gotten better at it as time has gone by. But giving him the option to have Tyus Jones play with him, I think, helps him. I think Tyus Jones and Chet can run a really good pick and roll. And I think that as, as the season goes on, but also as Chet's career goes on, the Thunder will gear more and more, or at least should, in my opinion, gear more and more into spoon-feeding him in the pick and roll. And Tyus Jones can really do that. He can really, really do that. But but you know, this is what I love about the NBA, is that it can change so quickly of who's available, who's realistic, you know, all that stuff, to where that's why we do this show every day uh, to be on top of it. But those are some names that like I think wouldn't break the bank, wouldn't um spark a ton of debate of if they should or shouldn't do it. Uh, it's just some names that could really help this Thunder team uh, without spending anything but money, honestly. Like you can attain these guys, even if you wanted to go try to trade for Tyus Jones right now or trade for Kelly Olynyk right now. I think you get them for for nothing assets, match salary, give away a couple second round picks. That's why you stockpile second round picks is to improve at the deadline. You you can look back that this is factual NBA history. Look back at how many veterans who improve rosters are gotten at the deadline every single year since the invention of the second round for a couple seconds. Here you go. It's over. That's it. No value whatsoever. That's why you stockpile second round picks. The Thunder are not going to make selections in the, you know, as many second round selections as they have right now. They're going to use those at the deadline. You can even look back at Thunder history of like whenever the Thunder were uh, tanking, you had George Hill that you traded away for a couple seconds. You know, that's the cost of doing business for a veteran quality player who can help you. And that's why you have a lot of that currency. Uh, next question from Seidel on Twitter. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm Reddit. How do you view Lindy Waters the third on this team? What do you think compels Mark to take him from multiple DMPs to significant uh, minutes? Uh, but but personally, I think that Lindy Waters is a great player, a great person, but not a great player in the NBA. Uh, what am I missing about Lindy Waters? So I don't want to dogpile Lindy Waters because he's a good person, but I, I, I personally don't understand the love and trust that Mark has in Lindy in the sense of I don't think he's a good shooter. He's, he's, he's billed as this like elite shooter and in a larger sample size in this season for his career, he shot 36%. And of that 36% from three, which already in a vacuum is not good last year on unguarded looks, unguarded catch and shoot looks, which is what Lindy waters to be in the NBA has to capitalize on has to dominate on last season on unguarded catch and shoot. He shot 32%. The bottom line is, love him or whatever, like just as an NBA basketball player, Lindy Waters is not talented enough to overcome that. He's not talented enough to overcome, hey, this is supposed to be a sharpshooter who only shoots 36% and cannot knock down open catch and shoot threes. I think his defense has really improved since he started his NBA journey in the G League all the way through now. It's not head and shoulders above the rest of the team, though, the rest of the options on the bench. but it is improved. 
what I think people are missing about Lindy Waters and what I think I can even at times, you know, bypass whenever talking about rotations and talking about um, who should be playing. The reason I think that Mark loves Lindy Waters is his decision-making. Like that has been preached about this team and what they look for from Sam Presti, from Mark, since that pairing has been a thing. And Lindy Waters rarely makes bad reads. He rarely makes a bad decision with the ball. And he's at least more often than not in correct positioning defensively. You can talk about if that's, you know, good in the sense of like good enough. Like for example, Isaiah Roby was always in great positioning, was always walled up at the rim. He's just too small to play center and he's not athletic enough to play another position. So like it didn't matter how good of his positioning was. He's just not good enough. You know, so it's kind of the same similar thing with Lindy Waters, although he at least has great anticipatory skills at times uh, to, to play the passing lanes and can really um, try to get physical at the rim for rebounds and loose balls. But, but I think that what the biggest selling point is, is his decision-making, and, and that factors a lot into who a coach trusts to play. But Lindy Waters shooting bad on, on unguarded catch-and-shoot threes is what limits him. And I get he's a hometown guy. He is a really nice you know, guy every time I've talked to him. But on the court, there's just really limiting factors. But obviously, Mark does really, really trust him. And that has to be accounted for something, right? We'll talk more about this team, more about your questions all coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, about our good friends over at FanDuel. Check out FanDuel today. Go there right now to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. This is a great time for FanDuel because I enjoy the national title tonight, you can be having two screens up, watching the Thunder, watching the national title, betting on both at FanDuel. The NFL playoffs start this weekend. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. And then, of course, the NBA is in full swing. NHL is in full swing. Uh, college basketball, you can bet on the at FanDuel. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. $150 in bonus bets guaranteed if you place that $5 money line bet. And that money line bet is just who you think will win. So go there right now. Place a $5 bet on the FanDuel, and you're going to get $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Check it out today. You can go and see so many lines, odds, and ends on all your favorite sports. You know, you can go look at tonight's game for Oklahoma City. I have deemed it a must-win game for the Thunder, and the Thunder are 10.5-point favorites in Washington. So you can go uh, place your bets. You can even bet on the money line if you think, if you think the Thunder will win outright. And away you go with your bonus bets from FanDuel. Check it out today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Reed says, which bench players are not on the team next year? So three are easy right off the top. Poku's not back. You know, Sam Presti's history of uh, restricted free agents suggests that he will be traded at the deadline for whatever. Uh, Bertans is not going to be back. And then uh, Trey Mann, I think it's clear he's not going to be back. Like At some point, you've got to just let Trey Mann go. If you're not going to play him, if even in games where you're sleepwalking and could use a jolt, you're not going to play him, then there's no future. Like, he's a great teammate. He's a great you know person from everything I've interacted with him. He's a great teammate, though, and he's staying engaged and he's doing everything right. He's excited for the guys on the bench. He's really active post-practice on the on the portions that we get to see. He's really active at practice, you know, interacting with the players and and being a good person and and, and not distancing himself, not doing anything dramatic or bad. 
he does everything he's supposed to do. And he obviously, for whatever reason, cannot earn minutes. And so at some point, you just got to say, hey, go try it somewhere else. Go try it somewhere else. And even, you know, Dame Lillard and other players have talked about how they think that he can uh, break out with an opportunity. And so that opportunity is clearly not coming in Oklahoma City. And so I would be stunned if he's on the roster next year, uh, especially with, with the picks and, and the ways that you want to improve this roster. I'd be stunned if he was on the roster next year. Uh, beyond that, I, I think that the, the two-way guys, Lindy and Olivier, they both have one more year of two-way eligibility. They're not going to earn a roster spot uh, next year to start the season. And sure, bring them back on a two-way if you want to. Who really cares? Uh, I personally don't think that either one of them has a ton of value as a two-way player besides just the trust factor of like these guys know the system. They know uh, how the Thunder want to play. And for a competitive team, for a team that is looking to, you know, sustain and and and, and get through an 82-game season playing high-level basketball, that's a really positive trait to have in your two-way players. Because, you know, and you've got to kind of flip the mindset a little bit of like when the team didn't care about winning, the two-way players were were coveted as players who you would give heavy minutes to and and see, hey, maybe they'll pop off. Maybe they'll maybe they'll um, be diamonds in the rough and help uh, the Thunder develop and help the Thunder um, find quality players. Now, when you're when you're focused on winning, if you've got to play your two way guys, something's gone dramatically wrong most of the time. Injuries have stocked up or whatever. You know, in the case of Lindy, it's different. We talked about that before, um, but most of the time. You're only going to get down to that point with injuries. And so if you hit that point where you've got to play two ways for a sustained period of time, at least those two guys would know the system. So, you know, they have another year that they're two-way eligible, could be back. But to answer your question, in terms of like full contract guys, I'd be stunned, just stunned if Poku, Bertans, or Man uh, return. Speaking of Poku from Waste, what team do you think could be interested in Poku? None. Honestly, but if there was a team, if you force me to pick one of the 30 teams, I would say Washington. Uh, I don't project them to get any better next year, especially, you know, they're losing all these games. There's there's not a ton in this draft to get excited about at the top, um, but you have the Will Dawkins connection. Will Dawkins, when he, when he first took over the job in Washington, brought over a lot of Thunder guys, you know, Eugenio Marui being one of them. Um, maybe he would would kick the tires on Poku and, and see where it lays out as a as a team who could give him one more shot of having consistent runway uh, of NBA minutes, maybe. But I, I just don't really see it with Poku, um, given that he can't get on the court right now for Oklahoma City, um, and so on. So maybe Washington. Maybe, maybe Washington. Limp says, what's the most desired playoff matchup um, for the Thunder? You know, I don't think that there's a matchup that the Thunder can't win. I think that in most matchups they're going to have the best player on the court. But when you go through it, it's interesting. I think that the Rockets would be the most desired matchup because despite that early season win in, uh, for, for the Rockets in Houston, come playoff time, everyone would lean Oklahoma City. The Suns are are a team that I think is either going to sink or swim. Like, I, I don't think they're just going to meddle through the middle through the playoffs. They're either going to be fantastic and on fire, and we're going to say, how in the world uh, did, did anyone ever question this collection of talent? Or they're going to be awful and just self-implode because they're their lack of depth because they're relying on injury you know, history players. So the Suns, like, it seems crazy on paper to say like, hey, you do want to play the Suns, but if you have the 50-50 shot at self-explosion, maybe maybe that changes things. 
I think that there's just something about the Pelicans where the Thunder and a seven-gamer, I'd pick the Thunder. But the Pelicans are a team that's really, really good. The only reason that, it has, that I'm hesitant to pick the Lakers, I hate the Lakers team, but I can't pick that I'd rather play LeBron and AD in the playoffs over Houston. I just can't do that. I, I can't. LeBron and AD in the playoffs are a different, different kind of area that this team, I'm not sure, would be up to, especially when you talk about traveling you know, to all the way to the West Coast, all the way back. Houston, easy travel. I think you know a, a team that you are better than. I think a team where you would have the best player on the court. You'd also, uh, you know, have a very closed gap on on the second and third best players. Also, you can make you can go back and forth however you want on that round. But still, um, the Thunder I think are better than Houston, and so I've got to pick them. But I hate this Lakers team, except for LeBron and AD. And when you have LeBron and AD in, in the playoffs, anything can happen. And I also like this Mavericks matchup just based on the teams, like based on the teams of um, who they're going to roll out. But I'm a full believer in Luka Magic. I think that he's made series where the Mavs had no business even being in, way more competitive than they had business being. Uh, and of course, he's gone on a magical run to the Western Conference Finals. So I, I would just stay away from Luka in the playoffs. But Houston is who I think it would ultimately be. And the, the real answer is there's no good matchup in the Western Conference. There's a reason why these teams are separated by two and a half games from the top of the conference to the end of the conference in terms of competitiveness. It's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be fun. Like I cannot wait for the playoffs in the Western Conference. Uh, Restro Dash asks, what do you think the Thunder need uh, stand right now and anything that they can improve on? The Thunder right now are far exceeding expectations. They are far out producing you know, where they were scheduled to be. So it is all gravy, whatever happens this year. Uh, and in the summertime, things will be reevaluated. And I cannot wait to talk about those things and debate those things and go back and forth on those things. But as of this moment with this team, this is a perfect season so far. Uh, but what they can improve on is rebounding and consistent effort. Now, the effort that they're being asked to give every single night is, is very, very demanding because of the way the team is constructed. And it goes back to the chicken or the egg argument. Like, should the Thunder be giving consistent effort? And should the Thunder be giving high-level effort? Yes. But that's really hard to do. And they've made it purposely hard to do uh, with their roster construction trying to rely on that. Now, effort is something you can fully control, and these are professional athletes getting paid millions of dollars, and they should bring effort. But it's really, really tough whenever you you, you just have the way the roster is constructed. Uh, and then from there, I think that like the other parts of this are individually focused versus versus team wide focused. The rebounding is a team wide focus. Everything else is really centric on specific players. So like J Dub, it is in J Dub's nature to let the game come to him to be a more connecting player, but he's really, really good. And he's got to learn to be really aggressive and not wait till the fourth quarter to really start to hunt for his own shots. He's got to flip a switch like SGA had to flip. We, we had these same conversations on the show about SGA where like these, you know, players like SGA and players like Jada and, and Chet have to realize that like a good shot from those three is way better than a great shot from your teammate. Just taking a good quality shot or even an eh quality shot is oftentimes better than dishing it out for a great one. And that goes against everything that these players believe about playing basketball because they are so team oriented and they're so make the right play oriented that sometimes the right play is taking a, a quote unquote worse shot quality shot than what your teammate can give you. And so that's something that Jacob has to learn to, to improve upon. And he has improved upon this year, just continuing to get better at that. 
For Chet Holmgren, I think that this team has to improve playing through him in the pick and roll more. That's what I want to see. And for this discussion, I think that it would be great, great to, to recheck in on Stockwatch. We did one before the year. We go through the entire roster and say, are their stocks trending up or down and why? So you know what, Retro Dash? We're going to do that on Wednesday. Wednesday's show will be Stockwatch. Tonight's show will be a recap of this must-win game against Washington. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.